everybody, and I chime in with Brendan, and I'll say welcome to our very first totally online service. We didn't choose this. It was chosen for us, but you know what? Thank God for technology, and we're able to come to you in your living room, uh, maybe your office, wherever you happen to be. We welcome you, and I thank you for continuing to give because, as you know, bills don't care anything about a virus. They come anyway. But as you know, President Trump has declared a national day of prayer, and I believe that's so apropos, and what a blessing to have a president that would actually do that and ask people to pray all over America. And I want to encourage you to take the hand of the person next to you if you're not alone there in your living room, wherever you might be, because we're going to pray, and we're going to ask God to help America. You know, America needs a revival like we all need oxygen. America's in trouble, not just from coronavirus, but America's in trouble morally and spiritually. And uh, America, my prayer is that something like this will somehow be worked out for the good of this country in this way. It will cause us to look up and say, Jesus, help me. Jesus, we need your mercy. Because really, the only one that can help us is God. So we're going to join hands with Christians all over America And let's ask God to send an awakening. Heavenly Father, we thank you right now that you're the God who answers prayer. We're not praying to a God who is deaf, who doesn't care, who's off throwing other stars into space and is um, apathetic towards our plight. No, we're praying to a God who loves us so much. He gave his only begotten son. And Lord, right now we need mercy in America. Lord, we ask you to forgive us for turning our backs on you. Forgive us, Lord, for the slaughter of millions of children in their mother's womb. Forgive us, Lord, for putting our seal of approval on perversion, for walking away from your word, from removing it from the children in schools, from banning you in the public square. Lord, having asked you to leave, Now we so desperately need you to return. Lord, we're asking you to pour out your spirit. Lord, send a great awakening. Not just a revival, Lord, but a true awakening coast to coast. That, Lord, literally millions would be swept into the kingdom of God and saved. We pray for the families of those, Lord, who have actually lost their lives from coronavirus. We pray you will comfort them, for you are the comforter. We pray, Lord, for those who are sick right now, that the healing Jesus would touch them, make them whole, speak to them. And, Lord, touch them in a way that they look up to you like they haven't perhaps in a long time. Lord, I remember your words. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would tell you, but I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there you may be also. And Lord, I just thank you that we don't have to walk in fear, for there is a shepherd that takes our hand and walks us through the valley of the shadow. And right now, Lord, we take your hand. And as we draw near to your word today, I pray that you will speak to us, bring hope, bring encouragement, Lord, bring exhortation, bring life, bring 
quickening bring awakening. Thank you, Lord, that your word is not going to return void, but it's going to do what you sent it forth to accomplish. And before saying amen, Lord, we pray for President Trump carrying such an incredible, unfathomable load. Strengthen him. Hold his arms up. Send to him the right people. Lord, encourage his heart. And thank you, Lord, for keeping him strong above his own natural ability, as only you can do. And Lord, now bless your word as we get into it. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to ask you to grab your Bible. And if you uh, got it there in the living room somewhere or near you, grab it and turn to Psalms 40. And I'm going to speak to you on the subject He brought me out. We're going to look at the first three verses of Psalms 40, and I'm reading them out of the New King James Version. Here we go. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me, and he heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, and he established my steps. Now look, it gets better. And he has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and will fear and will trust in the Lord. Isn't that a great, great... I I memorized those verses long ago when I was in uh, some real intense spiritual warfare. And I really felt impressed with the Lord to go here because what we have is the, the testimony of a man who was delivered from a horrible pit, from a terrible pit, and from what he calls sinking quicksand or miry clay. And this is David's testimony. And what's so good about these verses is that he gives us not only the fact that he prayed and cried out to God, but he takes us through the steps of deliverance. He shows us what God did in delivering him from this horrible pit. Now, we don't know what it was. It might have been some betrayal. It might have been some army attacking. Um, We don't know what the horrible pit was, but I do know the Holy Ghost does not waste words in the Word of God. So whatever it was, it was horrible. It was a pit, and it was sinking quicksand. He was in a tremendous trial. I'm so thankful he walks us through the steps that he himself went through. And and as we look at these steps, let me ask you, maybe you're in a great trial today, and I'm not talking about coronavirus, but maybe you're in a trial of depression a pit of depression, a horrible pit is what he called it, or the pit of abandonment. Somebody has walked out on you and you didn't even know that it was coming and you're in a pit of despair. Or maybe you've lost a job or you've gotten a bad doctor's report and you don't know how to handle it. The word of God talks to you today and to me because David is telling us I was in a horrible pit that I could not get myself out of, but God got me out. Or maybe the pit you're in is something like our whole nation is in because our whole nation is in a pit, a pit of fear, a pit of despair. You know, when you don't know God and you don't have the promises of God and you don't know the shepherd who came to die for us, something like this coronavirus is terrifying. And I want to speak to you and to your fear and to your anxiety. You know, coming here today, the highways were abandoned. There were very few cars. 
And I just kind of pictured uh, all the people that are usually out sitting in their homes, sort of hunkered in their bunker, full of fear. And I want to speak to you today and say, don't be afraid. There is a God who's bigger than this, bigger than this storm, bigger than this virus, bigger than this plague, and he has everything under control. Now, the good news is this psalm brings a shout of hope to everybody going through a trial of any kind, and it encourages us to take hold of the hand of God, and I want to encourage you to do that today. Just take hold of the hand of God who alone can pull us to safety And that's why I've called this today, he pulled me out. He took me out. He brought me out. Now let's unpack this psalm, these first three verses. The first thing we see David exercising is patience and prayer in the trial. Now, you know, there's a lot of ways to respond to a trial. You can respond in panic. You can respond in fear and worry, anxiety, uh, sleepless nights. But David... And people of God have learned that in a time of trial, you go to God. You go to God in prayer. You cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. And we see David doing two things. He's waiting patiently. Let me quote it. I waited patiently for the Lord. Not circumstances, not people. I waited for the Lord. And look what he says. He inclined to me. And he heard my cry. David cried out to the Lord in prayer. And then he mixed his faith with patience. You know, faith and patience are like a dynamic duo. You can have faith but not patience. You can be patient with some things but not really have a lot of faith. You got to have patience with faith because patience causes you to hang around long enough to receive what your faith is reaching for. And David said, When I cried out to the Lord in prayer in the middle of this horrible pit, here I was, I was in a horrible pit. I was sinking in quicksand, figuratively speaking, and I cried out to the Lord. But there was not an immediate answer. I had to wait. I waited patiently for the Lord. Now, in the Hebrew language, this literally reads, in my waiting, I waited. In my waiting, I waited. You ought to say that to yourself there at home. In my waiting, I'm waiting. You say, well, that doesn't make sense. Well, in the Hebrew, it's used that way for double emphasis. He's saying, in my waiting, I really waited. Let me emphasize how important the waiting was. In my waiting, I waited expectantly, hopefully, in faith that God had heard my cry. Notice, he didn't wait impatiently. He didn't wait angrily. He didn't wait stewing. He didn't wait doubtfully. He waited in faith. In waiting, he waited. And in waiting, he waited in faith. He believed God was going to move on his behalf. And so he waited. And indeed, God did finally answer him because he says, and he inclined to me and he heard my cry. You know, when you and I pray in the name of Jesus, there's something about one of God's children looking up and saying, God, there's no way out but you, and I'm asking you to help me, and I'm praying in faith, and I'm praying in Jesus' name. When you do that, he inclines himself to you, and he hears your cry. As a matter of fact, the Hebrew 
language that this was written in is beautiful here as well. Because it literally means he bowed and bent his ear toward me. Picture God. You're crying out. We're crying out today. And we're saying, God, have mercy on America in Jesus' name. And when we do that, picture God on his throne in heaven. He inclines towards you. And he bends his ear towards you. And you have got almighty God's attention. The cry of faith in the place of prayer, grab God's ear and turn him my way. See, right there in your living room as you pray and you say, in Jesus' name, Lord, help me. I need a job. I need healing. I need this. I need that. I need peace, whatever it is. When you pray, I want you to picture God. He's leaning towards you. He's bowing your way. His ear is bent towards you. He's listening to you. David says, God answered. He heard my cry and he moved on my behalf. Now, we don't know how long it took between David beginning to pray and God answering. There was a wait time because he said, I waited patiently and his patience carried him through. And when God finally answered, Oh, did God do a powerful thing. Now, before I show you what he did, in your trial today, let me ask you, have you cried out to God and have you mixed your cry, your faith with patience? Are you waiting on God? Not like somebody waits impatiently at a bus stop, like looking around and kind of half irritated that the bus is late. That's not how you wait on God. You wait on God full of faith. You wait on God in praise and worship. You wait on God in confidence because you never pray in vain. Whatever you pray, whenever you pray, the Bible says if we pray according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know we have what we have asked of him. We know it. We don't wonder it, think it, hope it. We know it. It's a no-so faith because we pray with no-so prayer. I know he hears me. Have you done that today? Are you waiting on God in faith? I want to just speak faith into your living room, faith wherever you are. God is listening. And David said, he heard my cry. After waiting patiently, he heard me. So first we see patience and prayer in the trial. But next we see David's deliverance from the trial. He testifies when God finally moved. Here's what happened. He also brought me up out. He brought me out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. Suddenly God appeared. Then God moved. I was sinking, but God. I was going down, but God. And suddenly God moved. He brought me up out of that horrible pit. Now, the Hebrew language that I'm referring to a lot in this message, the Hebrew language for pit is a pit of noise. And the word for miry clay is literally slime. Now, he's using metaphorical language to describe a trial. What we have here is a graphic picture of a trial where there is no peace. It's a pit of noise. That means there's no peace. There wasn't any peace around him, just noise. There was no tranquility, no serenity, no quiet. It was noise. It was just a bunch of noise. That's a picture of no peace. And then there was slime. He he said, I I feel like I'm sinking down into something that is slippery where, where you can't dig yourself out. You keep slipping back when you're trying to crawl out. 
what a picture of a trial. I'm in this relationship trial or this money trial or this sickness trial, and I'm trying to crawl out. But it's like it's the, I'm in a pit or quicksand of slime. I'm slipping back in, though I'm trying to get out. What a picture of something that only God can take you out of. In David's day, these slippery pits were called quagmires, and they were described as, quote, treacherous to the last degree. If you fell on this quicksand, and it happened a lot of times in battles, soldiers would be fighting one another, and one of them would fall into this quagmire, this quicksand. And if somebody didn't grab their hand and pull them out, they sank down in, and they died in it. That's what David is describing his trial as. It's a pit of noise. It's like quicksand. I'm sinking. I'm in a horrible pit. I'm crying out to God. And then suddenly, God heard me. And what did he do? Suddenly, there was an invisible hand that grabbed me and pulled me out of that sinking sand, pulled me out of that quagmire, pulled me out of that desperate situation. I was in a pit of destruction. I couldn't pull myself out. You know how you know you're in a real trial? When you can't help you. When you can't help you. When the only answer is a supernatural deliverance from God. And I believe sometimes God literally allows us into a place like that so that we will look up and learn that our God is greater than us, stronger than us, stronger than the devil. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And he is able to pull us out of a pit that we can't pull ourselves out of and nobody else can pull us out either. But God can pull us out. The the testimony of David is God brought me out. God brought me out. This was David's day of trouble. It was his midnight hour, his dark valley of difficulty and testing. And David found out that God was greater than the trial. And folks, I want to tell you, God's greater than coronavirus. God is greater than a plague. God is greater than sickness. He's greater than disease. He's greater than whatever you're in right now. You may be in a situation of your own making, but our God is so good and so merciful. Even when we mess ourselves up, he still comes and pulls us out of that horrible pit. It's the feeling that you can't change your circumstances, and the more you try, the more you seem to slip further down into them. No peace, only noise, time of tumult, a time of warfare. But the psalmist said when he couldn't do it for himself, God did it for him. He brought me out. I wish I could hear you and see you, but I'm asking in your living room, let's say together, he brought me out. Say it out good and loud. He brought me out. Not me brought me out. I didn't bring me out. Others didn't bring me out. He brought me out. And today, friend, don't fear God is mighty enough to pull you out of your impossibility. Again, I wish I could see you because if I could see a show of hands and say, how many of you would raise your hand and say, I was in a horrible pit once, Jeff, but I cried out to God and he pulled me out. He did a miracle and I'm here today because he pulled me out. I know I would see a whole lot of hands. He brought me out. So first there was patience and prayer in the trial, then deliverance from the trial, but it gets better now. Next, we see stability and joy after the trial. Look at the, look at the after deliverance life of David. And he has, this is verse two and three. 
And he has set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. But he didn't stop there. He put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Oh, catch this now. The picture of being set upon a rock. He said, when God delivered me, I wasn't just hanging in the air. His hand brought me out of the sinking sand. And then his hand set me down on a solid rock. He had been sinking and he had been slipping into a pit of destruction with no place to plant his feet. But now he's been pulled out of the pit and placed upon a rock. Now, you can't talk about a rock in the Bible without thinking of Jesus Christ, the rock of our salvation. He's my rock. He's my shield. He's my fortress. He's my God. He's the chief cornerstone. So for us in the New Testament, reading Psalms 40 The implication is clearly that God delivered him from a pit of despair and placed him securely on the rock, Jesus Christ. Whereas his life had been unstable and terrifying, now he's stable and full of joy. So the picture of being set on a rock is about being stable. Stable. You know, there's something about following Jesus that stabilizes you. It stabilizes you. Now, I don't know about you, but I can think back in my life in sin many decades ago before I knew the Lord. And if you were to describe my life, the last word you would have ever used was stable because it was unstable. It was erratic. It was crazy because the devil does the opposite. Whereas God stabilizes you, the devil brings instability into your life. Bad decisions, bad consequences, bad spirits operating in your life. And you're anything but stable. Think of the Gadarene demoniac. When Jesus landed on the shores of the place called Gadara, a man met him who was totally unstable. He was living in the tombs. He was naked. They couldn't chain him because he would snap them because of the supernatural demonic power that was operating in his life. He was tormented. He was cutting himself. He was crying out in the night hours. He was unstable. There wasn't anything stable about him. But then Jesus showed up and he brought him up out of a horrible pit. He spoke to the demons in his life and said, come out of him. And a legion of demons, a thousand demons came out. And the Bible says, that when the townspeople came to see what Jesus had done, this formerly unstable, crazy man was sitting on a rock. He was clothed and totally in his right mind. He was stable. Jesus brings stability. People say, oh, people that follow Jesus are Jesus freaks. No, no, they're not. Jesus doesn't turn people into freaks. He turns freaks into people. He takes the unstable and makes them stable. He takes those who have crazy lives and makes them sane. And and, and that's what happened here with David. David was pulled out of this pit, but God went further and stabilized his life. But he didn't stop there. He gave him joy, joy unspeakable and full of glory. David said, he put me on the rock, and then before I knew it, I was singing a new song. He has put a new song in my mouth. What kind of song? Even praise to our God. Didn't you love singing a little while ago? What about that healing song? Wasn't that beautiful? And that's the kind of song God puts in your mouth. 
He takes the songs of the world and gets rid of them. He gives you a new song, a heavenly song, a spiritual song, a song that praises and glorifies and worships God. So not only was he stabilized, he was joyfulized. I'm going to go ahead and make up a word. Because if, if your life is unstable and God makes it stable, we say he stabilized you. Well, if your life wasn't joyful and he makes it joyful, then he joyfulized you. So I'm going to go ahead and make it up and just say that he was not only stabilized, but God made him joyfulized. Amen? Again, you ought to say in your living room, I'm joyfulized. Listen, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And God gives joy. God has done a miracle in David's life, sinking in quicksand in a horrible dark pit. And God delivered him, stabilized him, joyfulized him, restructured his life from instability to stability, from the jitters to joy. And this is what the God of the Bible will do for anybody who calls to him from a pit, any pit. Are you in a pit today? The pit of lostness? Are you lost? Do you know Jesus? He died for you. The pit of backsliding. Maybe you're out there. And even if we'd had church today, you wouldn't have been here because things have happened in your life and you've compromised a little bit here and there and you've backslid or backslid and you're backslidden. But you know what? That's a pit. What you start out doing thinking you're going to get freer, you end up in bondage. And in the pit of backsliding, he'll deliver you. The pit of bad decision-making, the pit of confusion or the pit of bondage, cry out to him and he will pull you out, stabilize you, joyfulize you. He'll bend his ear to your cry. He'll deliver you by his power. He'll stabilize you through the teachings of the word of God and he'll replace a spirit of heaviness with the oil of joy. So we see patience and prayer in the trial, deliverance from the trial, stability and joy after the trial. There's one more thing, a testimony about the trial. Watch this. David said, you know what's going to happen now that I've been delivered like this, now that God has heard me, after all that God has done for me? He said, many are going to see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. I got to read this to you out of the Living Bible. It says, now many, now many will hear of the glorious things he did for me and stand in awe before the Lord and put their trust in him. Now follow this. Here's the testimony after the trial. We see that God uses everything. Folks, please hear me today. You're not going through anything that God's not going to use. If you don't get bitter, as long as you don't get bitter and walk away from God, but if you stay on the potter's wheel and trust him to get you to the other side, God is going to take the test and your moaning and turn it into a testimony. He's going to use it for his glory because we never go through anything that God is not thinking this. I'm going to carry them through. I'm going to deliver them. I'm going to show them how powerful I can be to bring them out of the pit they're in. I'm going to yank them out of that quicksand. I'm going to stabilize an unstable life. I'm going to give them joy where they have had misery. I'm going to totally change their countenance and their life. And when I have done that, there's somebody waiting on the other side of their trial that's going to need their testimony because they're going through what you just passed through. 
when you emerge on the other side of your valley, you come out with a life-changing testimony. Listen again to what David's testimony resulted in in the lives of other people. Many will hear. That's the first thing. Many are going to hear what God has done. You can't keep what God does quiet. You can't put God in a box. And they're going to stand in awe before the Lord. There's a lot of people that are going to look up and say, I didn't know God was that powerful. I didn't know he could deliver from addictions like that or sin like that or bondage like that or despair like that and put their trust in him. Many will hear. Many will stand in awe. Many will put their trust in him. Why? Because of one man who went through the fire and God brought him out. Some are going to be encouraged because of what you've been through. Some are going to get a stronger revelation of God's power because of what you've been through. And others are going to put their trust in him and be saved because of what you've been through. See, you don't need a theological degree. You just need a testimony. And you got a testimony of what Jesus did for you, and you begin to tell it. You begin to tell it. That Gadarene demoniac I was speaking about a moment ago, when he was delivered, I mean dynamically delivered. You talk about a horrible pit. Living in a graveyard, come on, it doesn't get lower than that. But when he was delivered, he said to Jesus, let me go with you. Jesus said, no, I want you to go home. I want you to go home and tell what the Lord has done for you. You know, sometimes the hardest place to go is home and tell what the Lord did for you. But he said, no, my will for you is you go home and tell what the Lord's done for you. Well, the Bible says he didn't go home. He went to Decapolis. Now, Decapolis, deca means 10. So you know what it's telling us? Decapolis was a region. And this man went to 10 cities telling what God had done for him. He went to Fort Worth, he went to Arlington, he went to Dallas, he went to Mesquite, he went to Richardson, he went to Burleson, he went to Mansfield. He didn't go to his home. He went all around and told what great things the Lord had done for him because he had set him free. And don't you know, multitudes were encouraged, got a revelation of God's power they'd never had, and a whole bunch were saved. So whatever you're going through today, Let's do what David did. He mixed his prayer with patience, knowing that God would answer in his own time. And let's expect the Lord to do what he does best. Deliver us, stabilize us, joyfulize us, and use our testimony to touch a dying world that needs Jesus now more than ever. Amen? So wherever you are today in your living room now or wherever, I want to pray with you. I want us to give God our trial. If your only trial is coronavirus, afraid of it, terrified of it, whatever, I want to pray that God pulls you out of that pit and gives you peace. But maybe your kids have gone crazy on you. Maybe a spouse has walked out. Maybe you got that dreaded pink slip at work or you think it's coming and you don't know what to do. Or you're sinking in some habit that is literally destroying you. Alcohol, drugs, pornography, whatever it is. That's a horrible pit, but it's not too horrible that God can't reach down and deliver you. So I want to pray with you. I want you to bow with me in the living room and let's, let's pray together and let's do what David did. Go ahead and let's do it right now. Let's pray. Father, 
We come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you for this incredible testimony of David's. And Lord, it has built our faith and encouraged us to believe for the same thing he did, particularly since we're in the new covenant with Jesus Christ. And Lord, right now we come to you with our burden. We cast our care upon you. We cast our burden on you. We roll our worries and fears onto you. We give to you our consternation. We give to you, Lord, our tension. And we ask you, Lord, to pull us out of the pit, the marital pit of trouble, the trouble with the kids, the trouble with money. Pull us out. Pull us out first, Lord, on the inside so that no matter what's happening around us, we have peace like a river, the peace that passes understanding. Lord, we give to you our needs today, and we pray that, God, you will be mighty. Show us your hand. Show us your power. Show us your ability to give us peace in the midst of a storm. Thank you, Lord, that even if circumstances remain the same for a season, we won't because you're going to peacefulize us, joyfulize us, strengthen us, and comfort us. And we thank you, Lord, for your presence right now, right there in your living room. Lift your hands to the Lord. Let's worship him and praise him. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We praise you. Go ahead and let his spirit fill your, fill your house right there. Let his spirit fill your house. Let him fill your house. You've cried out. The Lord has heard you. He's going to take you out, pull you out. Go ahead and praise him for it before it ever happens. Praise him for it. Thank him for hearing you. And by the authority of the word of God, I declare to you, you will be peacefulized. You will be joyfulized. You will be strengthened. You will be helped. And he will put you on a rock and you will be stable. And you will have a testimony in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being with us today. And I want to reiterate what Pastor Brendan has said, that Wednesday we will be here to teach the book of Hebrews. Uh, let me just tell you concerning coronavirus, this too shall pass. Amen. So I'll see you Wednesday night. The rest of our activities, CR and everything else is happening all week long. So our prayers are with you. We love you. Take care. God bless. We'll see you next time.